Last night, I, I was in Nashville, Tennessee, speaking, and I got an email from Southwest Airlines at 5.30, uh, letting me know that my flight for 5 o'clock this morning was canceled. I'm going to go ahead and let you know that the best way to communicate cancellation of flights is probably not an email, because I typically don't check those. So, so I went into a mad dash and a rush as to what was going to happen there was a fly that I was able to get on last night. But there was a possibility that Jared was going to have to preach this sermon. And we've been in the middle of a series called This Is Us. Where we walk through the, the mission of our church each and every week. Uh, we, while we gather together. Growing together. And then this week is Give. So I just want you to hear this. There are not many more difficult sermons for a pastor to preach than the one on giving. So I almost inadvertently or advertently handed this one to Jared. But it is good to be with you. Do we have another microphone? Should I use a handheld mic? No, it's okay. We'll get it. Okay, great. Great. Um, so we talk about giving. Churches are... The conversation that a church has about giving is always unique because if the pastor announces that ahead of time, your attendance is down. And you have to be really careful with it. One of the best stories that I've read about giving in regards to what it means for me and for you to give is this. Two men were sitting together on an island and as they were having a conversation, they realized that they were stuck. Now, I'm a historical Lost fan. I don't know if there are any Lost fans in the room. So the idea of being stuck on an island is part of my TV history. These two men stuck on the island begin to have a conversation. Man number one is super stressed out. Because being stuck on an island should mean you're stressed out. You're probably talking to a volleyball. There's a lot that happens there. So while he's stuck on the island, he's losing his mind. And he says to man number two, we are going to die here. Man number two has everything cool, calm, and collected. No, man, we're going to be okay. We're not going to die. I am incredibly wealthy. I make $100,000 a week. Man number one still freaking out. Still wondering what they're going to eat and where they're going to catch a boar to cook. Says to him, What does your wealth have to do with anything? How is your wealth going to help us? Man number two tries to calm him down again. Makes the hand motion. It's going to be okay. Not only am I wealthy, I'm a churchgoer. What does that idea of you going to church have to do with anything? I'm not following you. Man number two says to him, I'm a wealthy churchgoer and I give at least 10% of my salary every single week. As soon as my pastor finds out that I'm missing, he's sending multiple convoys to rescue us. I say all of that to let you know, if you're a member at Grace or you're considering being a member here, there's a historical idea in regards to what it means to, to be a pastor and what it means for you to give back to the church that we know what you give and that we care about what you give. So I don't want you to hear anything this morning without hearing this first. I have no idea what any of you guys give financially. Neither does Jared. Our elders have safeguarded Jared and myself from that knowledge so that it would not affect in any way the way that we do our, our, for lack of a better word, job as pastors of this church. 
So when we talk about giving, I'm not talking to specific people here about how much they give or specific people there about how little they give. This is what the Scripture says to us about giving. And I want us to think through this together in regards to how we give. Now, when we talk about giving, we all will naturally go to money. What comes out of our pockets and how do we give of what's in our pockets? And that is part of that. But there's much more to giving than just what's in your pockets. And as we have worked through our, our mission and, and how we communicate the mission of, of our church, as we're thinking through all of these things of the family of faith, gathering together every week under this banner of the family of God brought together here at 1027 Dixie Drive on Sunday mornings at 1030, we give not only of our money, but we give of our time, our talents, and our treasures... Because God has given to us the greatest gift of all in Jesus. So when we talk about giving, we're not just talking about what you have. We're talking about who you are and what you do. So with our Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let, let, let's begin to read. As you're, again, we, I invited you to turn there a moment ago. I want to give you a little background as to what's taking place here. Paul is encouraging the church at Macedonia by telling them that Corinth is coming to give. And as a matter of fact, in the book of 1 Corinthians, he'd, he'd encourage the church at Macedonia, this poor and impoverished church, to give to the church at Jerusalem because uh, by using the example of what was taking place in Corinth in regards to their giving. Now, Corinth was a really weird place. And if you've ever spent much time in the Bible, you know that's a very dark Netflix special waiting to happen at Corinth. But there is the idea of giving present there. And Paul has encouraged Macedonia in their giving by propping up Corinth. And then Paul gets worried because he's sending these three envoys and some of them are from Macedonia. So Paul sending the Nina, the Penta, the Santa Maria, they're on their way to meet with the church at Corinth to receive the resources that are there. And he stops and he reminds them, hey, they're coming. So I want you to remember these things. And the passage is called the cheerful giver passage. Chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times... You may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will pr produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. 
by their approval of this, by the appro- their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So, if we're asking questions, and we should always ask questions when we open the Bible to a passage, the first question that we should probably write down, if you're a note taker, or if you're just someone who remembers things, the first thing that you should remember is, well, why should we give? Why should we give? Uh, And our basis for that comes from what takes place before this passage. But Paul sandwiches it by the closing phrase in verse 15 where he says this, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Why do we give? We give because we have received the grace of God shown to us fully in Jesus. So the reason for which that we should give of anything that God has given to us it is because God has given to us richly in Jesus. Let me give you some scripture passages for you to write down, maybe take a look at later. When we look at the Bible, we consider what it means for God to give us a gift. One of the number one places that every mind goes, if we're in this room, is John chapter 3, verse 16. That God so loved the world that he gave, he gave caps lock, gave, His only Son, so that whoever will believe in Him would not perish, but would have eternal life. God has given us a great gift in Jesus. There are other passages from Paul that come alongside of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, just right before where we are today. It says this, Jesus was rich, and for our sake He became poor, so that in His poverty we may be rich. Jesus giving of what He had so that we could receive. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant. So, if we're understanding what it means for us to be givers, if we do not start with the why that we have received the gift of God in Jesus, then we will eventually fizzle out and fade out and burn out because we do not know the reason for which we give. God has given us Jesus in full. For those of you who are in here, and I hope there are some of you who are, who have no relationship with Jesus, the hope of the gospel, the hope of what we teach here every week, and that Bible-believing churches teach regularly is that before your giving ever matters, it is because of what God has given to us in Jesus. He has taken your sin upon himself. He has died on the cross. And in dying on the cross, your sins were defeated and they were declared as defeated in his resurrection. Praise God for his glorious gift. How much do we praise God for that when we're not here? How much does our praise of God begin to display itself in not the expected but in the overflow does our praise of God for his glorious gift to us his inexpressible gift as one translation says his indescribable gift that's Chris Tomlin's favorite word that you would use in this passage how much do we really praise God for what he's done for us 
Because that's our why. That's the reason by which we would do and give anything. Well, if we know our why, how are we supposed to give? How are we supposed to invest our time, our talents, and our treasures because of the gift of Jesus? Verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. If you're going to give, understand that when you give close-fisted of any of the various things that we have talked about, you are setting yourself up to not see much given in return. Now, we've got to be careful and not hop on 288 and head north to understand this passage improperly in regards to what's called the prosperity gospel. What's taking place here is not a saying that if you give, God will give back. But what is happening in this passage is we are seeing the church at Corinth and as a byproduct of that, the church at Grace Bible being commissioned by God to understand that what we receive back from God may not be what we've invested, but it will be an overflowing, abundant picture of His love. There is no way for us, as this passage will show us later, to outgive God for who He is and what He does. So you see this, that we give... And you'll notice these words, out of delight rather than duty. And one of my prayers for us as a church, I'm so thankful for the people that God brings here every Sunday. Because I've got some get stuff done people in this church. If you need something done, I know who, I've never known how to do things, but I've known who to do. So I know who to call. I can't cook a good meal. But I know who to call if I need a good meal cooked. I don't know how to fix things, but I know who. And here at Grace, God has given us the spirit of this needs to be done. So let's do it. I'm grateful for that. But as we see growth and as we pray and acknowledge God over and over and over as the, as the bountiful giver... My prayer is that we will find delight in our duty and not just be acting out of obligation's sake. Not saying that everyone does that. But I know for me sometimes, if we're not careful, service is out of obligation. What if we saw this as opportunity? So when we invest our, our time... And we have this really great system as, how, as to how we work with our children's ministry here. And I've got people who are so invested in that. What if for those of us who are not as invested, we found delight in that rather than it being that we would serve with the four-year-olds on the second Sunday of every month? Because that's what is expected of us. 
Because there is delight to be found. And here's the beauty of it. There is a group of people in our church. When we look at the two sides of this building, I'll be truthful with you. We have, in large part, the Christians on this side and the non-Christians on that side. Because our children, many of them have not come to faith. And God, the great giver, has given us opportunity to invest in those children... Do we find delight in our service because of who Christ is to us? We give because he's given. We want to operate out of delight, not duty. And I understand not everyone's called to children's ministry, but all of us are called to living out the gospel. And this is one of the very practical ways that we can do that. To serve out of delight, not duty. But the words that Paul uses here are, are pretty important to us. One of those is the word reluctant. That word, when, it, when verse 7, each one of us must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Reluctant means you do not give of whatever you're giving out of painful loss. So for the one who has encountered Jesus, when you give of anything that you do, realize that you are not missing anything because you are responding to the one who has given everything. The second word that we look at is compulsion. So we do not give because we are under pressure. Or as David Bowie would say, under pressure. We do not give because of that. We give... Okay. Uh, we give... Because we realize the source of our giving is that Jesus has shown himself to us in full. It's delight, not duty. Hope and I decided to do Dave Ramsey when we were first married. I don't know if you've spent much time with Dave Ramsey and his financial peace. He is financially peaceful. He is also really mean to people. If you've read through that book, I mean, that dude is harsh. And then he says rough things like, if you drive a Jaguar like me, I'm like, why is this guy bragging on himself? I guess Jaguars are cool. So he, he says these things, but in the book he, he talks about uh, how you should develop a system where you divide your money into envelopes. Very rudimentary system. Uh, we kind of got away from it, and that's okay. But he's got these envelopes. So Hope and I decide to, to break out the envelope system. And we, we I cash a check, which was like $11.47. And then I, I put the money on the table. We distribute it between the envelopes. Except we didn't have envelopes. We decided to use sandwich bags. Side note, sandwich bags do not fit in your wallet anywhere nearly as good as envelopes do. Sandwich bags take on air, so you're just sitting on this cushion all of the time. But we have this money divided up, and Hope has our savings envelope. And she called me, and she is full of joy. And she said, Chad, I need to tell you something. And I thought, this is going to be awesome. Something really good is about to happen. She said, I gave all of our savings away. Tell me more. Like that, that's the response of every husband, right? Like, to tell me more. And then she lets me know that she had noticed a person that was in need. They were not asking for anything. So she felt compelled, cheerfully, to give this to them. Jesus, in the, and there's laughter on her end and tears on my end. God loves a cheerful giver. The word in the original language in the book of Proverbs is God loves a hilarious giver. God loves someone who finds deep joy in their giving. Because when we find, our deep, when we find deep joy in giving, it means we find deep joy in Him. Whether we're giving of our money, 
of our stuff, of our time. God loves that we would give. Because base level, when you are a cheerful, hilarious giver, that's you saying to God, hey, I get it. I get what the cross is. I, I, I get what the crucifixion is. I get my need for you. And that you have given to me in full. We give out of delight rather than duty. Well, what happens when we give? Verse 8, go there with me. God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This is the person who gets it, living among people who don't. So that when those who spend time with you and see the way that you invest the very resources that God has given you, when they interact with you, they may not get your Jesus, but there will be something compelling about the way that you are presenting Jesus that will continue to platform your conversation with them. God is able to make all grace abound in you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So that our lives, the word abound, so that we would leap in every good work. Verse 9. As it is written, this is from Psalm 122. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, that's a part of a continual phrase from the psalmist. So, just to understand in full what's being said there when Paul addresses this, I want to bring up what's taking place in that psalm. That psalm starts getting to... He who distributes freely, who has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. That is the result of this. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed is the person who holds God in high honor. Who finds God to be worthy of his giving. So when Paul references this passage, he knows that his hearers will have some tie to what the Psalms have taught us. He who fears the Lord. Because when you fear the Lord, really fear the Lord, your distribution is free. You give to the poor. Your righteousness endures forever. This is cause and effect. What's God cause affecting in you? What's God's cause affecting in me? Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Again, this is God saying, hey, when you give, I'm not, you're not going to run out. You'll, you will be provided for. You will be cared for. You will be nurtured. 
You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Your giving, if you're a note taker, produces thanksgiving. But it's a cycle, it's not a line. We give out of thanksgiving, which produces thanksgiving, which causes us to give, which produces more thanksgiving. And it begins to spread. And it begins to really infiltrate the world around us. There's a story in, the, in Luke, it's in Mark as well, about a woman who gave. Jesus is at the temple. He's watching everything happen at the temple. And all of these men keep walking up to the, to the offering dropping money in the offering. Large sums of money, Luke tells us. Let's go there. Luke 21, verse 1. You can listen as I read to you. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts in the offering. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, or or this is the way it is, is my best understanding of truly. This is the way it is, I tell you. This poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she contributed out of her poverty and she put in all that she had to live on. Do not think that cheerful giving does not come with sacrifice. But cheerful giving is the expectation of people who understand sacrifice. That we would see that our time, that we would see that our talents, your abilities, and your very, this room is full of people with great abilities. That we would see that our treasures, whether it's what's in our pocketbook or what's in our wallet, or our fanny pack, that all of these things that God has given to us, that they exist for something else. You can't outgive God. My grandmother told me that regularly. I grew up with my grandmother. She was a fantastic woman. She passed away in January of this year. And she had a pretty rough life. She worked making saddles. At a, at a, you would think, Texan, I know Texas friends, that you don't think anyone else has ever ridden a horse. But in Tennessee, people buy saddles for horses as well. And she made saddles. And she did this her entire life. She uh, worked cleaning at other places. When, when she retired from the saddle making company, she went and she worked at Target stocking shelves. She never made more than $24,000 a year. And I remember hearing this phrase from her all the time, you cannot outgive the Lord. And then I, I watched as time passed, and I, I would watch her make sure that she put her offering in our church plate every Sunday. She wasn't doing that for me. She wasn't doing that for the pastor. She was doing that because this is what God calls us to do. And, and I find joy in that. When she got to the place where she was retired, not only from a saddle company, but she was retired from Target. She would call me because she was a, a shut-in at the time. And she would have me come pick up checks. Do you know what a check is in 2016? It's a chore. But she would have me pick up checks to take to the church. Because you can't outgive the Lord. 
over and over, this lady, get, she, get, she invested in our children's ministry. She cooked meals for, for, little pe- for people who were in need. She cooked meals for people who were not in need. She was fully invested. Because somewhere, she got what the cross is. You can't outgive God. Because whenever you give to him, he uses that to help you to see that he's given more. When she came to know Jesus, she had no choice but to give. Paul goes into verse in verse 12. Amen. I like the lively ones. There's about two of you in here. Verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only... Paul talking about the church at at Corinth, helping the church at Macedonia. The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Look at me. like Calendar-appropriate message. Thanksgiving. You look at the text and what Paul is saying to us here. That what happens when we give does not just affect the people that we are giving to, but it has eternal significance because thanksgiving leads to thanksgiving. And this, without a doubt, affects people who see and know and watch. By their approval of their service, verse 13, they will glorify God because of your submission. That's a hard word, but it's a Bible word. We need to wrestle with it, literally. Because of their submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Jesus. Hear that. Us giving of what God has resourced us with is a confession of the gospel of Jesus. So when we are closed-fisted, or when we are, when we are holding ourselves back from serving in some capacity... What we are seeing take place is we are making the choice not to confess the gospel of Jesus because the opposite of give is to take. And if we are not giving of all that God has given us, then we are taking away. When you keep, you take. The generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others. Verse 14, while they long for you and they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And look, when Paul writes this passage to us, if you've noticed the central figure in this passage is Jesus. God revealed to us in Jesus. We get giving because of Jesus. We give because of Jesus. We receive because of Jesus. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus. We confess Jesus when we give. We confess a lack of appreciation for Jesus when we hold. Because everything's Jesus to begin with. Imagine that I go to Chick-fil-A with my children, Christian chicken, justified, sanctified, glorified. And as we sit there at Chick-fil-A, I look around from, from child to child seeing if any of them have any leftover nuggets. I'm just being real, this is how it works at our house. I look at kid number one, Shepherd. He's eating his whole sandwich. He's asking for more. I look at kid number two, Charlie. He's devoured his chicken sandwich because he's trying to 
pack on protein to put on more muscle. Alder has thrown his nuggets on the floor and I have, I have decided those are unacceptable. But Noli, she's the target. Because if anybody's got a nugget left, it's going to be her because she goes fry first. I lean over to her. Hey, Noli. I see you got a nugget left. Why don't you give that to Daddy? Imagine the audacity of this little girl. The lack of appreciation. If she looks up at me and she says... Nope. <laughs> Let's be real. I bought those nuggets. I'm big enough, I can take those nuggets. Church takes care of me well enough, I can make it rain nuggets in that place. She's choosing to hold back. What's not hers to begin with? All that you have is God's. Everything. Make your list and look at it and tell me what's not. Everything is His. All of it. He bought it. He's big enough to take it. He could even make it rain more. But he has put everything in your place for you to make the choice to say, I'm going to confess Jesus with my mouth, which is his, with my stuff, which is his, with my life, which is his. And when we do not give, make no doubt about it, you're taking... We choose to be givers when we really do get what God has given to us. Would you to bow your heads with me this morning? Jesus, I pray that we would see all the stuff that you've given us, the stuff that belongs to you to, to begin with, pray for our body. I pray that we would get giving. Because of your great gift to us. Lord, I pray this for my own heart. Because, because natural me doesn't want to give. But Jesus, you have done a supernatural work in every believer in this room. And I pray that we will cheerfully respond to your gift. Because you're a hilarious giver. So Jesus, I pray that today as we consider what it means for our church to be a family of faith, we will realize that part of being that family and, and 
integral part of being that family is giving because you have given is delighting not duty and is giving which leads to thanksgiving which leads to thanksgiving on and on and on we ask all this in your powerful name Lord Jesus and everyone stands and says